It's in the trees. It's coming. The demon! You will die, as I said, at 10 o'clock on the 28th of this month. Your time allowed is just three days from now. Welcome to All the Best Lines. Hey, Smokey, how are you? I'm very well, Adam. How are you? Yeah, great. All right, then. So, anyway, on the film. (laughs) (laughs) You asked me to introduce this episode. Yeah. And that's what you get after tricking me into introducing the last one. I didn't trick you to do anything. I introed the last episode, right? Just get. You should call you Snakey instead of Smokey. Well, Kev has already called me Snowy and God knows what else on on House of Hammer, so I'm used to uh, bastardizations of it. No, but I was fine. No, I didn't trick anything. Smoochy. Well, that's a new one as well. <laughs> but that one's Someone just say Slinky. <laughs> Someone say Slinky, but only because of the cards you keep leaving in telephone boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but anyway. you're but you're also famous for not liking the preamble on on these shows. So that's what I'm famous for, is it? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, that and the brightest. Not, not, not all the work and. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so um, <laughs> today's episode, it's very nice to see you all again, and um, we have a special treat for you this time, don't we, Smokey? This Which is our Halloween episode, so first of all, boo, obviously. Sorry, I forgot that at the beginning. Um, the effort. Secondly. The effort. Honestly, if someone skips all the, you know, preamble crap and, and lands 30 seconds in and hears that boo, they'll be absolutely messing themselves, I, believe I it. think so. We have a special treat for you. We've done a special crossover episode because we did, uh, what was it, the one first? It was Rated H, wasn't it? Rated Hammer. That's right, yeah. Where we went on and talked about uh, Blood on Satan's Claw. Sorry, mm-hmm. my memory is absolute crap these no, days. No, no, that's right, yeah. Um, and uh, now we're continuing that with uh, All the Best Hammer. Yep, that's, that's bang so, on. Yeah, I, yeah, no, you've got it, you've got it. Hang on a second, my memory's playing tricks on me. Have we done another crossover episode yet? No, 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 this it's is just a second. second. Okay. Yeah, we, we did originally plan this for this year, and uh, we, we've mm. done two so far. Well, this is the second, so, you know, we're, we're a little behind the times, <laughs> but still. We're pretty right, quick. I'll tell you what, my memory is absolutely terrible these days, and I have no idea why. Chug, chug, chug. Chin, chin. <laughs> Hi, Hazel. <laughs> ben drinking a few years away himself. Hi, Hazel, everyone. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a reunion of sorts uh, this time, because we're very proud to bring onto the show our lovely friends, Kevin Ben. Hello, boys. Hello. Hello. Good evening, or afternoon, or morning, or wherever everybody is. <laughs> <laughs> lovely to have you guys on All the Best Lines. Yeah, I didn't realise you had another podcast. I'd heard of you, it. You, yeah. <laughs> you, sa- you, you both sound as about as enthusiastic as my boo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like a, like a, I'm like a coiled spring. I'm just ready. <laughs> when we get to the film, I'll burst into well, what Song? does the spring do? I'll boing. It, yeah, you're, you're boing. I like that. Your Zebendi. Oh, <laughs> nice. I kind of like Boingy Ben. That kind of had a ring to it. I, I, I don't like that. <laughs> it goes well with Slinky. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Slinky. <laughs> oh, that just sounds wrong. <laughs> oh dear. Slinky <laughs> Taylorson. Uh, yes, so in keeping with the sort of theme of this show, we're going to go back in time, I think, back to something 
uh, what, black and white, and sort of in the golden age, I think at the tail end of the golden age. But especially for Halloween, and uh, in keeping with the themes that we all are known for, which is mainly horror, um, Kev, you're known for classic films with Film Guff, mm -hmm. and your horror with Amicus, and Ben obviously known for Hammer and Rated H, and yeah. So Smoky, and... Yeah, I'd do all that stuff. Anyway, so we're gonna do <laughs> we're gonna do a really good classic horror mm. this time. I think all of our collaborations when we do crossover shows are gonna be something on the theme of folk horror. Mm. So last time we did Blood on Satan's Claw, mm. which is a classic of the genre. This time we're gonna do something based on an MR James story. Casting the Runes, uh, which is renowned as one of the great folk horrors. Uh, and it's Night of the Demon or Curse of the Demon from 1957, depending on where you're watching in the world. So Night of the Demon is this week's... This show is... It has been written since the beginning of time that evil supernatural creatures exist in a world of darkness. And it is also said, man can call forth these powers of darkness, the demons of hell. It is the night of the demon. And tonight is the night that Dana Andrews as a daring scientist, defies the mysterious, murderous devil cult in a desperate battle against the demons of hell. Oh, why did you drop the poker? Red hot. We didn't, you know. Oh, my boy, you're as pale as death. There was something in here. He has been chosen. I've been chosen for what? What do you mean? Today I found all the pages of my desk calendar torn out after October the 22nd. I know why. He died on the 22nd. John, what's the matter? The same thing happened to my desk calendar after the 28th. The frightened girl. The master of witchcraft. You will die, as I said, at 10 o'clock on the 28th of this month. Your time allowed is just three days from now. Skeptical? Don't make up your mind till you see this masterpiece of macabre magic. Because, after all, evil supernatural creatures really do exist. And it's uh, a real treat to talk about this one. Because um, I love this film so much. Cards on the table straight away, I don't care. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Adam, yes. I, I would like to point out in the last episode of All of Us Lines, you did say that you were going to give this 10 out of 10 right at the end of the episode. <laughs> so so you, you've, you've, you've killed any suspense that, that listeners may have from your perspective. But thankfully, See, I forgot that as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago. At least three it weeks. Was, it, was it really long. wasn't. It was about three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the worst thing is, I actually listened to that episode probably this morning, I think. <laughs> so, yes. uh, yeah. 
No, it is, yeah. Um, can we just ask, though, uh, Kev, had you seen Night of the Demon before? Yes, very, very many times as well. And it's all Kate Bush's fault. Uh, uh, do you wish to explain to people who don't know that reference? Ah, uh, well, um, it was basically I was trying to find out where the hell the phrase it's in the trees, it's coming comes from. And it's from this film. And it's also from the Hands of Love album. Wonderful. And um, Ben? Yes, I'd seen this before. Um, but I, I have a similar memory affliction to Adam. And I could only remember a certain number of things. I remember there was a train was important. I remember the Wibbly Demon was important. And I could remember very little in between uh, the two things. The Wibbly Demon coming at the beginning and the train coming at the end. And there being an entire film in between the two. Um, I also... Um, just to the full disclosure, um, I own this somewhere, and I couldn't find it when I needed to watch it. Uh, and, and so did you look under C, or did you look under N? I looked under N, and now I'm thinking it might be under C, which would just add to the catalogue of errors I made last night when I was in a very tired state. Um, but anyway, I have had a chance to rewatch it, uh, yes, and have made copious notes about it. So yeah, I've seen it before, but could remember very little about it. More came back to me during the the course of, of watching it um, but I haven't revisited probably in about 15 years I want to say so yeah it was nice to watch I think it, it, it seems like a film that was in wide circulation on in the sort of 80s and 90s maybe early 2000s as well on yeah, TV so. when um, yeah. when you had that kind of late night old film it was one of the ones that I used to see quite a lot in the programming yeah um, and then they brought out a lovely DVD edition of it about 10 years ago <laughs> DVD edition yeah and it had both versions and the M.R. James original short story, radio version, everything. And I really got into the whole uh, cult that's built up behind this film. And I, I I, don't expect anyone to share my adoration of this thing completely, but I do think it's a bit of a masterpiece. And you've got Jacques Tourneur firing on all cylinders with this thing, bringing all of his loot and sensibilities into it. The story itself, the M.R. James story, is super creepy. I think it's been a bit Hollywoodized. And I have even come to love the monster. So, uh, yes. I'm looking forward to this one. Hmm. Um, and it's kind of serendipitous because I literally just appeared on Real Britannia with Scott and talked about this film as well. So... It's, good. it's one film I don't need to re-watch a lot because I know it so well. I do watch it probably twice a year. So I, I love this film. I thought when you said serendipitous... I thought when you said it was serendipitous, it was because you were just chased down a train track by a demon the other night. <laughs> no, it was a, I was trying to burn some, some used toilet roll and it kept hitting the fire guard. <laughs> no, he was, he, was, he was a clown at a children's birthday party quite recently. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many similarities. We would clash all over the place. It's just you know. a typical weekend. <laughs> Well, well, let me ask you. Let me ask you guys this uh, right off the bat. You know, we're doing this. We are still going to do this quadrilogy of uh, folk horror. Mm -hmm. That is still our plan. So this is part two. Where does this stand? I mean, in the you know the annals of folk horror, is this near the top? Is it near the bottom? Hmm. There aren't that many, are there? On the grand scale of things, you know. I mean, it's it's quite a a, you know a distinct (laughs) subgenre, and I think. For the folk horror can be it can be regardless of of country it can be any country but I think we're talking about it in terms of UK folk horror you know uh, really and and there aren't that many examples of it I don't think that are worth talking about 
Um, so I would say this ranks pretty damn highly. And I think all four films that we've picked do. I, I, I'm, I mean, I'll lay my cards on the table like Adam. I don't. I clearly don't hold this in quite as high esteem as Adam does. Well, no, because you but don't know where it is. <laughs> but it's, it's downstairs somewhere. But um, but it's but in the trees. It's in the trees. <laughs> it's on fire. Oh no! Um, it's coming. But, don't worry. Uh, wait, wait, well, it wasn't last night. Um, but it's um, <laughs> oh, poor Liz. <laughs> Talk about Night of the Demon. Um, it was. Um, it, it was. <laughs> so could I tell you what's going on? Sorry. Night of the Lemon. I've <laughs> <laughs> got forgotten where I'm going now. No, I can finish this off. Hang on. I've said yeah, that before go. as well. Um, <laughs> oh, stop it, Taylorson. Just give me that three minutes. Trying <laughs> to breathe. <laughs> but I think there's there's, there's enough um, in this, to, you know, that I really enjoyed, and I could, you know, sort of uh, step step back and say, you know, it is really good to to, to, to definitely, you know, to champion it as as top tier folk horror. Absolutely. It's one that I never actually thought of as being a folk horror. Bizarrely, even though it clearly is, you know, because of all the witchcraft and stuff and the runes and what have you. But I think it's because it's just always been a presence. You know, for as well, at least the last forty years for me, so you know it's kind of become just part of the furniture. So you don't actually think of it as anything other than itself. So up until I say this last couple of years, when folk horror has become a thing that everybody's always spouting on about, I thought, oh yeah, hang on, yeah, okay, I'll buy that. I think it's because you don't see any of the folk horror actually happening. Yeah. You don't see mm. the villagers, you know, worshipping their greater. You don't see people making sacrifices and doing the things, you know, that we associate mm. with horror. It's, it's spoken of and we see the results of it, but um, you don't see it. So I, I can definitely understand why, you know, you might not think of yeah. it like that. I think these days, especially uh, over the last few years, where especially because of one film, I know we all have differing opinions about this film, but uh, Midsummer, especially <laughs> with Midsummer becoming so much more uh, popular and prevalent because of Ari Aster and because of what that film did, then I think that's uh, understandable. I, uh, I'm the uh, the lone one in, in the group. I had never seen this before until I watched it for all the best lines. This was a first time view for me. Um, oh really? Yeah, I I thought I thought I had seen I'm it. Surprised. I'd seen, really, really surprised me. I'd seen clips of it, and I'd seen uh, bits on sort of scariest moments from horror film, you know, kind of compilation mm. things and and whatnot. I'd seen the trailer bizarrely with, but without seeing the film. I don't know how, <laughs> but I recognised the trailer more than I did the film. So I've watched it twice uh, over the last week or so. It's uh, it is a folk horror movie because of the, obviously the, the themes it takes and whatnot. Is it a masterpiece? We'll obviously get back into that a little bit more. But um, yeah, I'm going to lay my cards on the table and say this is a wonderful film. Ten out of ten, possibly not, but it's very close. Um, and yeah, what a great film. But yeah, when it comes to folk horror, as you say. It's a small genre, and, and as you say, the the British do it very well. There are many we could... Obviously, there are the other two that we're going to come to in the forthcoming episodes that we're going to do, but then also the modern ones like The Witch or things like that, and so it, it, it it's it's a very British thing, and it's it's nice to see. 
And also, I think there's got to be a comparison had with some of the hammer we're watching right now of the American invading our shores and uh, having to deal with something that is occurring. But yeah, so it's it's a nice little symmetry we've got going at the moment Mm. with the films we're choosing. What I like about it so much is that um, it's a folk horror that seems very contemporary even now. When we think of folk horror, we think of The Wicker Man and Blood on Satan's Floor, and it's very period even the witch you know mm-hmm. you have to travel back centuries for that night of the demon feels like it was filmed in a world that we all know and that's what makes it kind of scary it brings the shadows into the world that we know and that's what the the point i made about folk horror last time when we did a show together was that folk horror is something that's in your bones you're born with it and you don't understand it properly you just sense a presence over your shoulder or you feel a hand or you feel a chill and you look down a corridor and suddenly the lights go off and you're like, there's something here and I don't understand it. And that's what's scary about this film. It's because it spends three nights coming for Dana Andrews and there is some kind of curse, but he's living in a modern world. There are cars and there are, he's in a city, he's in you know, the British Museum, but there's still this ancient influence over everything and it, it just handles it so well. And you have, you know... He's an he's an American. He's skeptic. He flies in on a plane. He's sitting in a hotel, and then you have he meets characters like Brian Wilde, who have been totally traumatized by their experiences with this ancient horror that's invading the modern world. And it's all handled by Jacques Tourneur so perfectly because he's taken the Luton playbook. This is a total Val Luton film. Yeah, you know, and it's made a decade after the guy died. He's and, and it bridges the gap between modern cinema and that golden age of Hollywood thing so perfectly. I mean, if this was produced by Val Luton, no one would have batted an eye because you you look at I Walked With a Zombie, Cat People, Leopard Man, Isle of the Dead, Curse of the Demon. They would all look, they'd all look the same. And Jacques Tonner, it's, like it's like a tribute to Luton. And that's what I love about this film so much. It's just so quintessentially him in it's like he's passed the torch to modern cinema the cinema of today and it just bridges it so well i'm so happy it exists i don't like i could look at it and find narrative problems with it and i could look at it and find you know plotting issues and pacing issues and things like that but that's kind of not the point and obviously people have debated whether or not the monster should be in it for decades even Jacques Tourneur was unhappy about that decision. But I think as a folk horror, it's it's just it's just a really cute, perfect little bridging <laughs> mechanism between <laughs> the ye olde folk horror of yesteryear and the new folk horror of today. And I, I love it. I think it's I think it's a beautiful film. I just want to pick up on something that Kev said and also allude to things that Adam have said as well and say that I think that the folk horror is perhaps more prevalent, having thought about it, than we think. Because we're thinking, I think, of folk horror in quite a, a narrow, defined version. But I, I'm, I'm thinking there, as, as Adam's talking, you know, the Blair Witch Project is a folk horror. Um, yeah, Candy, totally. Good point. Ca- Candyman is a Candyman folk horror. Candyman is oh, yeah. that's such a good example. Yeah. Halloween is a folk horror. It's all about people's uh, sort of the ideas of the boogeyman and that, that sort of preconceptions of that. I, I admit that one's a slightly more of a reach, but I would mm-hmm. still, you know, fight to say that it has... Yeah. 
some roots in the genre. But I, I think I've got a question. I, I know Kev wants to come in, but I've just got a quick question for Adam. And, and well, Actually, it's a question for all of you, but we'll start with Adam and then maybe go to Kevin and Kev, you can pick up on what you want to yeah. say. My The whole way through this film, and I really liked it, and it's rare that I think this, and the, the, the downsides to me of this film are, are that it's simply held back by there are things it wanted to do that technology did not allow at the time for it to do as you've already talked about should they have shown the demon should they not but i think there are a couple of things including that that could have been done differently if technology had advanced such do you think this would make a decent remake would it be something you would like to see remade i'd like to see this remade as a bbc ghost story for christmas in in very much in the the vein of the original story by mr james i'm a huge mr james fan and i love the the way he he's very much underrated when it comes to folk horror people say ghost story ghost story ghost story but he's not at all warning to the curious that's a folk horror mm. you know whistle and i'll come to you it's about a guy who finds a dirty whistle in an ancient graveyard and blows it and this thing comes after him it's a folk horror Every, you know but um casting the runes as a, as a story follows this quite well this is definitely a hollywood version i would say the bbc you know <laughs> Mark Gatiss does loads of Goat Story for Christmas. He could do a fantastic feature-length version of Casting the Runes. And it would be superb because he just gets the whole sensibility. I think this is a very Hollywood Hollywood folk horror. And I, to be honest, can you think of another Hollywood folk horror? Because I, I'm struggling. I mean, you got the Wickham. That, Wickham is not Hollywood. <laughs> well, no. not the Nicolas Cage one. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but um, I, I, I can't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust it to Hollywood. I would trust it to someone like the BBC who would do it as a ghost story. Well, even Christmas. Candyman were an independent. Same as Children of the Corn. That were an independent. They've never been. Yeah. I mean, as daft as it seems, this is the first Mr. James film. Everything else was TV. Is it? Yeah, everything he's done was TV serialized. There's only this. There was a Canon Albrecht's scrapbook, but that was '54. I mm. think that was. Um, I think. I think you're right. I think that was TV yeah. as well. Um, and then D- uh, Dario Argento produced the Church uh, in the late '80s. But yeah, the Mr. James. Gone. Mm. Mr. James. I would. I would urge anyone who who who's into this genre of you know ancient horror meets modern world um, kind of scares. There is a podcast called A Podcast to the Curious, and it's Ooh. quite an old podcast now, and it's finished. You know, it did all the, the MR James mm. stories, but it's such a great podcast to listen to because they take apart every single MR James story, and when they, they, they first talk about the whole plot all the way through, and it puts you right back in there, and it reminds you why these stories are so terrifying. They do a great one on Casting the Runes. Sorry, sold. <laughs> but as, as well, I'm going to go back to you know the demon thing, um, and you were saying about the whole controversy about the mm. you know seeing the demon. It works, and it works because it was actually scripted before they even started shooting any film. This was always in the script. It's a, it's something mm. that um, basically Turner actually flip flopped over. Sometimes he would say no, it was there. And then other times he would just go with the critics and say, no, I honestly, I don't know what I was doing. Um, yeah, no, in fact, yeah. it, weren't, it weren't my fault at all. It was Liz Truss's. Um, <laughs> it would blame anybody. <laughs> but, um, yeah. The, no, the by demon. the time this comes out, it won't be. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the demon itself mm. only presents itself to three victims, one of which 
it turns out he's not going to be a victim, so he doesn't actually present himself fully. Um, but you only get it first with Brian Wild, uh, not Brian Wild, with um, oh Hen- Henry Harrington, that's placed, played by Maurice Denham at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you get it mm-hmm. kind of starting to show itself to um, Dana Andrews Holden, uh, Holden, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, when it gets Julian Carswell. But spoilers. But yeah, well, well it's <laughs> I think from nineteen fifty seven. Right. <laughs> I think we're safe. But as yeah. well as that, you think, hang on, every time it presents itself, it's never near anybody else. It's always to one single person. So it's only in their eye. You know, it's only in their mind's eye. As tough as it seems the railway station, even though it, it's a massive demon that towers above a train, right? It's huge. It's massive, and yet nobody sees it except Kurzweil mm. on the tracks um, and mm. when they actually see Kurzweil's body smoking <laughs> on the train tracks there's still nobody went so did anybody want to talk about that massive thing that we just saw there <laughs> oh we're just going to talk about the body on the track we're just body on track okay fine we'll, we'll go there then so yeah I think the demon thing works completely if we just go back quickly to um, sorry if we just go back briefly to uh, to the folk horror side I mean, there are, there are a couple more I could throw in there, and it, this brings in you a little bit, Kev. Is that because I am a you, folk you bring, horror? Well, this is true, but uh, but you but you bring in you, you bring in City of the Dead or the Uncanny uh, with the Amicus connection. Yeah. They could definitely fit in, definitely. And then for Ben and I, we've recently, well, not fairly recently, reviewed Troll Hunter, and I think you could put that in the folk horror uh, scheme and, uh, what, as well. What, and also, what's that other uh, Scandinavia, the, the, where the backpackers are travelling across Scandinavia, and there's, oh, I can't remember D- what the film's called, it's actually for... It's not that, Kev, it's actually filmed in... It's actually filmed in Bulgaria. It's called The Something. I can't remember. Sorry, I edited all this out, obviously. Is it? Is it the Dyatlov incident? Yeah, is that the one you're talking about? about? It's not yeah. what I'm, I'm meaning. No? It's, okay. um, well, either way. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's absolutely, no, no. It's it's absolutely fine. But then it, when we move on to uh, to Night of the Demon, and, and, and let's address this straight away. I, we're going to need to do a little bit of the plot for people who haven't seen this in just a moment. Oh, we'll do the plot in a minute, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but before we do, um, it is th- this is the thing. Over the couple of watches I've given it this week, is it really that important of a discussion point whether you see the demon or not? Um, at, uh, the the first watch, I was sort of like, yes. I mean, is it, you know, did, did this thing? It's I mean, it's it's from the it, it's old-fashioned, you know. Hmm. But then also, as Kev says, it's sort of like... But you can you can take it at face value and see it as being an important part of the story. And so I'm quite happy to do that. Personally, I don't think that's the bigger talking point of uh, suspension of disbelief in the film. I think it's the dancing alive strips of paper that are the bigger <laughs> talking points of suspension of disbelief. But we may not dis- uh, sorry we may not agree on this, but uh, we we will find out. I'm I'm gonna um, be uh, the arse, I'm afraid here and say that um, I I think that the demon is very distracting. It's a really outdated special effect. It's laughable, and um, you know I I'm not gonna pretend otherwise. And I I I, I can suspend my disbelief, but a more a more general audience, and I'm not being patronising, but a more general audience is gonna laugh. And and I think I'd have much preferred either not to see it or it to be not terrible. 
the um the, the yes the dancing piece of paper is something like out of harry potter isn't it it's it's very yeah, it's very much it. a sort of uh you know a, a, a sort of marauder's map type thing but the other <laughs> the, thing the as well feather, is the feathering forest gump <laughs> can, can, can we can we we, we please can't wrap we can't wrap up the discussion of, of things that were distractingly crap without talking about the cat that attacks him where I, oh, you know, yes. I, yeah I, I've been attacked by a you know my own teddy bear as a seven-year-old child in a very similar manner uh, before I power bombed it and won the world WWE t- title so yeah um uh, yeah it's it's yeah there are things as I said there are things in this that have it but but you know to reiterate I can, I can, you know, and I'm not being an ass, but I, I can forgive those. But I honestly don't think that the, the as a film, generally watched by everyone, it, it you know, trying to be objective about it, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think it's, it's left the film looking great after you know, sort of sixty five years. But for all that, I can forgive it. Fair enough. The the problem with the demon is that it is on the poster, so people go in expecting to see this demon they see it in the first few minutes because they needed to according to hal chester who produced the film this is the thing yeah i I get it the problem with it is it's taken me 20 years to be okay with this thing it takes you out of the experience it just does any new watcher to this film will just go (laughs) look at the state of that thing like i did i reviewed this film on attaboy clarence like years ago and, and and decried that I love the film, can't stand the demon. I've since come <laughs> round, but I mean, I'm I'm not a casual watcher. I watch this film a lot, so I think it is a problem. And I think Jacques Tonneur was right. He might well have said, "Okay, let's have a demon in the film," but he definitely pushed back all the way through. And look at the beauty. Imagine the thing without the demon. You have scares. There's a bit where Holden's in a corridor and the shadows come towards him mm. and it's fantastically done yeah, the bit with the paper i know it's i know it's a crappy special effect but it's still like what is going on it's uncanny yeah you know and then you have the whole thing with uh brian wilde which is actually kind of terrifying yeah. when he's reliving this experience they bring him out of his stupor to tell them what he knows and you know it's in the trees and and it's actually quite unnerving at least no, it's amazing. Um, that, that, that seems fantastic. Yeah, it is it's, great. It's brilliant, and it, you really do feel like you, the ancient is coming into the modern at that point. You know, it's like coming through this guy. I totally get why they wanted a monster, because it was 1957, and they're trying to appeal to this atomic science fiction horror market. So they needed some kind of big bad. But if you can imagine this film without the demon it's it's quite plausible that harrington was killed because a pylon fell on him mm-hmm. and it's quite plausible that carswell was killed because a train, train. ran over him yeah. and you're left mm-hmm. with questions mm. and i think if if there was a re-edit of this film without the demon and some god knows how but you know some footage put in that would make it more suggestible then you have a then you have a story that's i think more open to interpretation as it is it's very explicit there's a big rubber thing that comes after you yeah yeah uh, if you have the room that's the problem that so is the problem. people who it is yeah. if people who only watch this film once will be <laughs> yeah that's the film with the big dog monster <laughs> <laughs> let's get george lucas on it <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think you know the, the real pro- the re- it comes to a real four at the end of the film 
when obviously with spoilers ahoy here, but when the demon <laughs> arrives, and I, I, I'd, I'd forgotten exactly, I'd mixed this up with an episode of Thomas the Tank Engine because there's an episode of Thomas, there's, no, there's, a, there's an episode of Thomas the Tank Engine where where there's a ghost train, and I keep mixing the two things up. And uh, anyway, so he, the, the demon comes steaming into into the station. But then it is. I, I'm going to put on record. This is one of my favourite killing scenes of all time. The demon picks Carswell up and just sort of. It's like he can't be asked to kill him. He just sort of <laughs> messes about with him, slaps him about as if he's like doing a pizza door, yeah. and then just like throws him away and walks sort of steams so back true, off yeah. down the line. <laughs> it's it's like you, as a viewer you're watching thinking. What? What have I just seen there? The demon, the demon's shown up and he can't really be bothered, so he's done a half, a half-ass job. I know. Doing that man. <laughs> it's going tracks. Yeah, but I said, and but yet, despite that, despite the, it's still horrific. You know, mm. despite all of that. I, I think just bringing an end to what we've been talking about, you've got to give a lot of credit to the very last line of the film. You know, when they say it's probably better to not know. So that, in my mind, mm-hmm. is them yeah. saying it's probably better not to see the demon. You yeah, know? indeed. That, that feels like a little throwaway line of just sort of like, well, I, we don't need to know if he was killed by a train or not. But to me, that's just like, well, maybe we should just do without the big rubber demon, you know? Because there's always going to be the side that says about Jaws, about whether you should see the shark or not. Exactly. Because it's a big rubber shark. So... You know, there's always going to be this side. But as uh, something you said there, Adam, um, as a first-time viewer, I was a first-time viewer just this month. I was a first-time viewer of this film. And okay, yes, I can see it as hokey and silly and possibly maybe it shouldn't have been there. But I didn't mind it. It was fine, you know. Mm. But again, as Ben said, there's going to be modern audiences uh, who are going to see this and laugh. The the, the creature, I mean. Mm. Whereas... You, you, the um, the uh, supernatural fog coming through the forest, great. You know the light, the Brilliant. noise, the the scene later on in the film with the the wind and everything. You know that was chilling enough as well. Granted, it went on far too long, but it is, and and it's just scenes like that 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 work. So take away the big rubber monster, and it would still work just as well, if not better. And I think we can probably all agree Yeah, on. I think they could have worked around it by just using reaction shots rather than actual shots, if you like. But going back to your wind, because I like to talk about wind a lot, um, <laughs> the health and safety during that cyclone scene, it's just non-existent because there's a massive chunk of tree that drops about three foot away from a Hollywood star's back <laughs> and nobody bats an eyelid. <laughs> It's just crazy. Three feet. All of it. You know, it was too far. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was on the way in any way. It didn't matter. (laughs) I think... I like to think they hadn't told those kids what was going to happen as well. Come for a come for a magic show, kids! It'll be great. Here's the wind machines. Oh! <laughs> well, so that, that whole scene is, waver. That whole scene is fantastic done, and it's mm. it's so well played. And and uh, Nar McGuinness as Carswell is is so good. He's like a, being a clown, and he's funny, and the kids love him. And he turns around, and he suddenly becomes the devil. You know, and let me prove it for you. And he blows a wind, and the whole party's ruined. I mean, you know, as a five-minute scene, I've done scene, the same it's... myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I really like this story trope as well. I really like this whole "it's coming for you," and you have to pass it on. You know, you get Ringu, and you get 
this yeah it follows. yeah drag me to hell and it follows mm. yeah exactly it i yeah. love this whole thing because it's such a great such rich pickings for a film you know have i stumbled into something i shouldn't have stumbled into and you know you spend the whole film being tense and wondering where it's coming from next it's, it's brilliant i love it <laughs> yeah bizarrely you mentioned the kids right um and there's a weird disparity in the casting of this film if you look at it properly there's nobody between infant and old age. It's like there's a massive gap in this village. You've just got children at the party. You've not any teenagers, not any young adults. The, I think the closest we've got really to young adult is Joanna Harrington by Peggy Cummins. And she's imported. She's come over on the airplane. So yeah. it's a weird, mm. weird kind of village. And nothing seems to be quite... Right, everything's got this weird slant to it. And it's only when you start looking at it and, you know, reevaluating it over 40 years that you think, hang on, <laughs> there's something not quite right here. Um, I mean, like Rand Hobart's Farm, for instance. I mean, oh, well, this depends on which version you've watched. I tend to watch the 96-minute version, which is the full BFI version. But there are UK and USA cuts so 82 minutes theatrical. Uh, I watched the 95, 96-minute version. Yeah, 96-minute. Yeah, you, so you've seen the Rand Hobart's farm then. Sure. Where he, he goes over to the farm and sees what kind of place Rand Hobart comes from. <laughs> and it's like, what? It, it's it's weird. It, it, it kind of goes back about 400 years because you think, these people don't have electric. There's a lantern <laughs> hanging in the middle of the living room. Yeah. <laughs> then you think, ah, yeah, there's not actually any modern appliances They still live like anywhere. that in um, Sutton Coalfield. <laughs> <laughs> and Hungerford. <laughs> and Middlesbrough. <laughs> That's inspirational, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> All they want is a roof. <laughs> I, I was sitting there thinking, God, look at those beams. I love one of them. <laughs> Fuck fire. <laughs> Sorry, fire? What? <laughs> they haven't got there yet, mate. It, it's the warm flower. <laughs> I'm saying no. Um, yeah, I mean, going back to your point, Kevin, about not seeing the adults, though, it's a very clever thing to do in terms of of how it's written and and I, I mean you've already sort of alluded to the scene where you do see the adults and they lurk out and they're mute or they're you know underplayed and you know we're yeah that one scene gives us the impression that all of the adults are under the spell of carswell mm. and um to go back to the scene at the at the manor the, the fact that they leave him in his clown paint for that mm. that elongated yeah. scene is mm. Masterful. It's very well done. It's brilliant. Because he's, he's, he's terrifyingly aw- awkward and awful at the same time, playing this clown. The, I mean, we know by this point that he isn't who he says he is, and we know he's a sinister guy, so we know he's a threat to those kids, uh, but he's perfectly happy to wander around. It's not the fact that he's got the makeup on, it's the fact he leaves the nose on that really gets <laughs> me. <laughs> you think, there's All an excuse for him not wiping the makeup off, but he, he's happy to walk around in clown paint and clown... And the whole time, it's you know, without drawing a fairly crass and obvious um, comparison, the, the the Joker film, the most recent mm. Joker film, um, yeah. it's a huge comparison there. Yeah, Someone being so, seen, yeah. you know, publicly looking at. I mean, that must have been. That must surely have been an inspiration sure. for that. Because it's 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 well, it's the same <laughs> makeup though. It's the same the same style of clown paint. Yeah. It's not just yeah. 
you know, a coincidence in that way. So no, I, I was I was unnerved by by that scene. I thought it was very very good. Yeah. Where are the others? They probably went round by the back. I didn't know you had cyclones in England. We don't. You probably could use a drink. A perfect host. This way. I'm sorry, I miscalculated. The wind's stronger than I expected. Much too much. You're talking in riddles. To prove my point, a medieval witch's specialty, a windstorm. Take my professional advice and stick to rabbits and puppy dogs. You think I'm mad? Unfortunately, you won't be able to explain away your death on the 28th of this month so easily with my prediction of it at this moment. You're really serious, aren't you? You will die, as I said, at 10 o'clock on the 28th of this month. Your time allowed is just three days from now. My time allowed? Oh, yes, your trick with the card. Very good, too. I'm sorry you remain so skeptical. But as the time gets closer, mental disintegration will set in. First, weakness and unsureness, and then horror as the fear of what is behind you grips your heart. Because it's there, Dr. Holden. It's there. It has been from the moment we met in the museum. You actually believe this nonsense? I asked you to drop this ridiculous investigation. Perhaps you will before it's too late. Well, it's nice to know that I do have a way out, Mr. Carswell. The choice is yours. The way Niall McGuinness performs it as well, he performs it like he's a Bond villain. All the yeah. way and through. Yeah, and, and, and yet so matter-of-fact. I completely Absolutely. agree with yeah, yeah. yes. but like so yeah. underplayed, but yes, agreed. Mm, but he's he, he's making no bones about it. He explains exactly what sure. he's going to do right from the start mm. and just carries on with it. But, you know, he's basically the uh, sort of the blueprint for a Bond villain. Yeah, he's like Drax. Drax from Moonraker. Yeah, I, mean, I know he looks like Definitely. him, but he, he, yeah. but similar intonation and and yeah. presentation of of you know the character. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because um, Scorsese produced the Joker, uh, the Joker movie, and he is a rabid fan of Night of the Demon. Mm. He proclaims it as one of his favorite it's horror in his films. Top eleven, isn't so it? perhaps yeah. there was a little bit of influence there when it came to possibly the, uh, the design. I like um, the whole Yes, um, I do think we should. Probably for those who haven't seen the film, probably quickly described. <laughs> what? We're so Just far it. into it. <laughs> Forty minutes in, I know it's a, a bit late in, into the film. But um, basically, the story is: um, there's a Professor Harrington. He is uh, some kind of debunker of witchcraft and charlatans, yeah. that kind yeah. of thing. Yes, uh, he is shown in the opening scene begging. Dr. Carswell, played by Niall McGuinness, the clown guy we've been telling you about, to take this curse away, take this curse away. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Carswell asks him what happened to the rune paper he gave to him, and he says it's been burned. And when he says that, Carswell gets very frightened and says, you know, you better go. Go away. It's fine. Go away. Just go away. Leave me alone. Get away. Far away from me as possible. <laughs> Harrington doesn't see the uh, the warning in this and drives home. And then later that night, as he arrives home, he is attacked by a gigantic demon who comes from the trees. Then Dr. John Holden <laughs> in the trees. Dr. John Holden, <laughs> who's played by Dana Andrews, arrives. He's our main character. And he was a contemporary of Harrington. He has come to help him debunk Carswell's apparent cult. Uh, so when he arrives and finds that Harrington is dead, he decides to take up the story. Again, we've 
visited this thing so many times on uh, on House of Hammer and the, the fish out of water scenario of the American coming over here and, and having to deal with the the uh, strange and um, uh, not usual to them. But then we also get the fact that I don't know. It, it, all right, I'm just going to ask this straight out. Is Dana Andrews the the weak link in this? Because I think you 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 have the you know I think you have you could the main say, characters and I think uh, you could say Dana Andrews is a bit of um like obviously he was an extraordinarily prolific alcoholic at this time in his life <laughs> right, and okay. so you know nearing the sixties he is you know phoning it in. But I almost think that kind of helps his character a little bit because he is this disillusioned, yeah. oh, I'm not listening to you, oh, I don't care what you're saying. And it kind of helps that character. But what I love about the fact they have Dana Andrews, massive you know, actor, best years of our lives, Laura, you know, mm-hmm. really, really popular Hollywood actor, come over, do this thing. He doesn't just visit Britain. He visits the Britain you don't see in films like this. You know, he True. goes to the yeah. farmsteads and he sees the Rand Hobarts, and it's mm. very, very end. Yeah. I was just going to say it, it's not exactly um, uh, unique to have the uh, the outlier arriving into a folk horror film. I mean, mm. think of oh. the Wicker Man. Yeah. Think of the Wicker Man. Think of the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. Think of Candyman. Think of Midsummer. All the films you mentioned, they're yeah. all people out of their element going in because I mean, it's it's a writing trope. It's mm-hmm. it's that they're, they're us, mm-hmm. that they're going in explaining a world that they don't understand because we don't understand it either. So by going on the same voyage of discovery that they are, and it's it's a good way to add that kind of um, you know feeling of of, of discovery and uh, unease because they're uncovering this mystery on behalf of the audience, and I think it works. I think it works really well. Going back to what you asked us, Smokey, do I think he's a perfect? Not necessarily. I mean, it, taking into account everything Adam said there as well <laughs> that I that I didn't know, I yeah. must admit. Yeah, I, I I did find his performance a little grating. He's yeah. a, li- a little too stereotypical a couple of times Agreed. for me. But um, but yeah, but you know, as as a as a you know a device to get into mm-hmm. the story, that's fine. Absolutely fine. Do you know what I was just thinking about? Was is that nineteen fifty seven? This is the year that Hammer started. And when you consider the, you know, Hammer started the horrors properly, you know, um, Curse Frankenstein was fifty. So, but I, I, I just think about the films that Hammer did before this, and it was, you know, Cesar Romero. Oh, sorry, Kev, were you going to say? <laughs> no, it's fine. No, the, oh, well, just to like give you a bit of additional trivia, who you want. Um, sorry, I'm not actually, psychic. <laughs> no, this actually started <laughs> filming on the very same day that the Curse of Frankenstein started filming. Oh wow! Hmm. Okay, that's incredible. It seems <laughs> to be a bit like this 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 the year that everything yeah. pivoted and went mm. crazy, like you know, good all of a sudden. Because when you think of oh, all the films where you have a Paul Henry and a Cesar Romero and a Hammer film, they're not up to the quality of them. Sorry, but you know, Dana Andrews yeah. isn't. I don't think he's brilliant in this film. I really don't. I do think he is definitely a minus, but I do think the film is good enough to carry him. And I do mm-hmm. think that his, uh, I think that his performance in it is, it comes across as dull and a little bit um, like Lecherous. he's not trying. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, I think that feeds into his like ultra skeptic 
character a little bit. I didn't think he's like <laughs> not the letterous part, but you know, <laughs> just <the> way, <laughs> yeah. where he's he comes along and he he just looks so weary and beaten down, and I just I, I don't care. I'm I'm phoning it in. I'm phoning it in. But um, I think it kind of works. In this. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. But as well as that, don't forget you've got Dana Andrews up against a cast of amazing character actors amazing british mm. character actors there's no weak links in this cast at all no. you know right across so you're putting somebody that is he's hollywood yeah let's put face it he's been generated by the star system he's not doing it he's not he's not got there the same as these have he's not done his dues he's not paid his dues on the boards or anything like that and just done minor roles he's pretty much been built by the studios you know he's more of a frankenstein monster if you like of a of a star than anything else but Very yeah good. so i think the fact that he's up against these it, that's probably why he comes across as a, the sort of weak link if you like but yeah it is because of his character as well i think i think it works fine so i mean it's a film that is very rich in terms of uh, scene quality i would say you know there's lots of good moments in this thing kev what are the standout scenes for you for me it's the russian roulette scene in the train carriage between carswell mm. and holden it's where beautiful, isn't it? it's fantastic it's so downplayed and it's so subtle but mm. you can see that carswell is absolutely bricking it at this point he's looking at his watch he knows he's got a matter of minutes to get rid of holden and he's stuck in so, a train carriage just quickly before please do go yeah. on but i'm mm. just going to quickly explain the whole concept of this film is that if a rune is passed to you then in a matter of time the demon will come for you and the only way you can stop this curse from happening is to pass the rune back. Is it back to the person who gave it to you? Yeah. yeah. Or it, specifically, yeah. isn't it? It can't mm. be to anyone else. It has to be the person. Yeah. The person yeah. Yeah. It has to be the person who gave it to you. So, yeah. sorry to interrupt, Kev, but just to explain nice. that to the listeners who might not have yeah. seen this before. It's, so the whole game becomes, you can't, you can't give it to some random guy on the street. You have to mm. find the person who gave it to you. First work out who gave it to you and then pass it back to them. Surreptitiously, they can't know mm. that it's come from you. Which is actually different to the book as well because in the book he has to accept it mm. you have to it, right. it's like welcoming a vampire in the the mm. you know across the threshold so there's kind of a difference there but the fact that carswell knows that holden's yeah. onto him and he's suddenly quit smoking he is even though he's got a pocket full of matches which he then gifts because he doesn't want them back either. Doesn't just want them in back, case. Yeah. yeah. In case he slipped uh, the rune into the matchbox. Yeah. Exactly. And then to hastily try and get off the train, leaving absolutely everything is complete worldly belongings behind. I mean, honestly, he would be terrible in MI5 because you can bet he'd leave his MacBook on the train just like every other MI5 operative ever. It's like Hunter Biden. <laughs> All over again. <laughs> But yeah, that that final scene, uh, God, it's, it's gorgeous because Holden actually traps everybody in the carriage by putting himself between everybody in the um, train carriage door, only to be scooped, only to be scuppered by the um, Scotland Yard people, you know, the police, and just saying, "Now, you know what's going on here." It's wow. great. It's beautifully claustrophobic, isn't it? And, mm, um, it is. Yeah, and full of full, loaded potential. I suppose. Uh 
still have time for a last cigarette. Hello? No, no, thank you. I've stopped smoking. It must have been quite recently. You've got a match? Ah, yes, of course. Thank you. That's all right. You keep them. I shan't need them anymore. You're very generous. Well, uh, I leave you two alone. I know there's a certain feeling between you, and you might want to be alone. Sit down. Your generosity is becoming overwhelming as it gets closer to 10 o'clock. You're staying with me, Carswell. You've sold your bill of goods too well, because I believe you now. I believe that in five minutes, something monstrous and horrible is going to happen. And when it does, you're going to be here so that whatever happens to me will happen to you. You're insane. You can't do this. No. You're staying here, Carswell. You're staying right here. No. Uh, let him go, Holden. This man's insane. I must go. It's all right, Doctor. We're the police, as Holden knows. We've had you under observation more or less at his request. Fortunately for you, as you can see. Yes, I see. Thank you. It's obvious that Holden has got a bit of a persecution complex about you. Something about your putting a hex on him. Well, that's utterly ridiculous. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm getting out of this station. John, he's lying. He bought a ticket to Southampton. I saw it myself. This is idiotic. I can leave this train when I want. Excuse me. Here's your book, Mr. No, 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 it's not mine. I, I found it here when I got on the train. Your bags, sir? My bed. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, of course. Yes. These are his, too. Well, you want your hat and coat, don't you, sir? Well, my coat. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, stay forgetful of me. Thank you very much. Uh, you passed them. Ben, how about you? Uh, can I mention a couple? Mm. One, one mm, that we've do. already alluded to, um, which is the scene where Hobart is brought out of his sort of uh, mm. his paralytic, frightened state um, to basically have to relive the horror that he's been through. So this is the character that has been exposed to the horrors of the devil's cult before he's seen the demon and him mm. recounting this and his reaction to it, where he leaps to his death out of a window, is um, genuinely one of the most shocking moments, I think, um, of the entire film. But in terms of sort of cinematography and artistic, the, the way in which the, the, the film is produced sort of aesthetically, there's a scene where, um, what is this, Holden um, breaks into uh, Carswell's house and creeps around in the dark, and he is followed by this hand, Mm. And this hand mm. in the shadows is just so <laughs> creepy. We know it's Carswell. We know it is. Yeah. <laughs> but it is utterly unnerving as he creeps down the stairs and we see a hand on the banister or a it's hand done, on the... It's very much in the in the vein of Citizen Kane, isn't it? It's very oh, yeah. near-focused. The hand is yeah. right by your yeah. eye, but you see Holden walking around. It's bloody terrifying. Yeah, You're it's right. a yeah, focused it's, thing. It's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's art in its purest sense. Yeah, the way the in which it's done. thing. The split focus yeah. thing they do in the British Library as well, um, because even though you've got this conversation between Kurzweil and Holden, and it's very near, you've got people that are only a couple of tables behind, and they're completely out of focus. It's fantastically yeah. shot. Yeah. Mm. For me, it's got to be... I mean, I, I agree with Ben there, the, the scene with Hobart, mainly because it's Brian Wilde, and to me, he's... <laughs> foggy. He's foggy, or he's Mr. Barraclough. And uh, mm-hmm. and so to see him as act as some crazed uh, person in a 
you know, lecture hall going mental. By the way, let's just point out that. Let's just point that out. So Hobart is in a coma. And when they wake <laughs> him up, because of what he has seen, when they wake him up and they don't expect him to go mental and run through the audience, that's a little short-sighted in itself. Um, they give him a big shot of methamphetamine, though. I know. <laughs> I know. So, so he's waking up to a nightmare and he's tripping balls. So, you know. Yes! You hear nothing but my voice. Do you understand, Hobart? You hear nothing but my voice. The patient is now in a deep trance and will obey the commands of Dr. Holden. Methylamphetamine. Do you wish to proceed? No, I'll turn him over to you. Hobart, you will next hear the voice of Professor O'Brien. From that point on, it will be his voice and his alone that you will hear and obey. Do you understand that? Hobart? Yes? Do you hear me? Yes. Mine is the only voice you will hear, is that clear? Yes. Only you. Hobart? What is the order of the true believer? Those of us who believe that evil is good and good evil. Yes, go on. Who blaspheme and desecrate. In the joy of sin will mankind that is lost find itself again. And who revealed this to you, Hobart? Who? The one who has brought us the wisdom of the true belief. Julian Carswell? Yes. Now I want you to come forward in time. It is the night of the demon. No. No. You must. It is the night of the demon. Lord's there. I see it in the trees. The smoke and the fire. My time, my lad, is almost over. Hobart, what do you mean, your time allowed? He's not in rapport with you. Do you want me to turn him over to you? Yes, please. Hobart, from now on, the only voice you'll hear is that of Dr. Holden. Do you understand? What do you mean by your time allowed? To prepare for my death. Why must you die? I've been chosen. How will you die? The parchment was passed to me. I took it without knowing. Hobart, open your eyes. Is this the parchment? brother who gave it to me. It was the only way. I had to return it to him. I didn't want to, but it was the only way I could save myself. To save yourself, you had to give it back to the one who gave it to you? Yes. Yes. I had to. And the demon took him. Not me. Not me. You are trying to pass it to me again. I won't take it. I 
How do you not expect that outcome, right? Let me just point that out. Um, it's just another day in Doncaster. Well, hey! <laughs> That's a Phil Collins song, isn't it? <laughs> the words paradise and Doncaster are not interchangeable. They are totally interchangeable. <laughs> but, there's, but there's another little brief scene, and it's why it was so effective for me, on, more so on the second time around, because I obviously knew what was coming, was then... Um, when when Holden is there with his contemporaries, they're just, you know, they're sat around, they're drinking, they're smoking and whatnot. And his colleague goes, oh, you're not leaving us after the 28th, are you? And he goes, oh, no, why? And he says, well, all the dates uh, in your diary have been mm. removed after the 28th. And that was sort of like, oh, my word, that's that's the date that Carswell said. And that was just so kind of subtle because he's he's still a skeptic at that point. In fact, he remains a skeptic through most of the film, to be perfectly honest. But it was just so subtle. It was sort of like, ooh. And then it's not when you hear about the, the diary later that it's happened to, uh, happened to as well, which I mm. really enjoyed. I thought that was crazy. Tell me, what have you got in your program for the convention tomorrow? Only a few sessions on extrasensory perception. The timetable is over there on the desk. I'd like to look in and watch your work. Do you mind? Not at all. Be glad to have you. Holden, you are not leaving us after the 28th, are you? No. Why did you ask that? Well, it's just that all the pages after the 28th are torn out. That's a very M.R. Jamesian moment. There. Hmm. That's the kind yeah. of warnings that it's his characters get. Yeah. Yes, the foreshadowing, yeah. Yeah, the abs- uh, drip feeding of, of what's to come. Absolutely, and I and I love those. It's also mm. the perfect contrast against what we've already talked about, about not seeing the demon, though. We don't know who ripped those pages out. No. Mm. You know, and, and obviously if we'd seen somebody do it, it would have detracted massively from the spectacle. Um, I'm not saying that the two things are entirely com- sort of uh, comparative, but you understand what I'm saying in, sure. in so much that uh, <clears throat> yeah. it kind of alludes a little bit towards the less is more. Yes, mm, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It wor- it works so well. In fact, that that's it. That see what it all comes back to. That it all comes back to that final line of maybe we shouldn't know. Maybe mm. it all comes yeah. back which, to that. Which sums up every other James story. So well, it's like don't dabble in things that might prove to be, you know, fatal for you. Because every single character is, is should I blow this whistle? Should mm. I go looking for the Anglican crowns that are guarded by <laughs> guardians? Should I, you know, should I study this picture of King Solomon taming a demon? All of these M.R. James stories are should I, should I, should I? Go on, then I will, and then it ends up, you know terrible sure but um but ben you said you had a couple of scenes and you only named one what were your other ones sorry i think the other one was when i was talking about uh i talked about hobart and then i talked about the hand mm. on the on the banister oh, so the those two, right. were yeah, kind of two different ones sorry no okay no, sorry sorry no, that's <laughs> yeah. fair enough i mean don't, don't get me wrong i talk about about another three as well but i thought <laughs> we've, really covered, we've, we've really kind of covered those so far so i didn't want to go over. i i think this is good though i think this is good i mean none of us have 
I mean, this has been serendipitous again, is that none of us have focused on purely the negatives or purely the positives. There's been a good mix of both, mm. which I think is uh, conducive to being objective or subjective about any film, which which I think is, is, is wonderful. Um, especially when a film that has a really big following online. I mean, if you... If yeah. you yeah, I mean... I mean... Either way, either either way, and it's whether it's a debate about the monster or not. Yes, this yeah. film is talked about and yeah. has been mm. for the last sixty-five years. It has a massive legacy that I knew of, but I didn't quite appreciate until the last couple of weeks when I've been reading about it more. It is highly respected, and I and I don't begrudge that in the slightest, um, and also because of. Well, not to put too fine a point on it, you, Adam, because of you talking about Jacques Duneur quite a lot. I, I respect him more and more with more of what I see about him, especially his work with Val Luton, but then with this as well. I mean, the man is a master of shadows and light. You know, uh, there, there are so many... The, the scene, the, which I did have to give a little chuckle at just at the beginning, because the the two main characters of um, Holden and um, uh, Joanna, they they're sat having dinner and they're sat with the door wide open with a gale coming out coming in <laughs> yes. out and they're just sat there quite nonchalantly and he goes well i'm a bit hot and oh i'm a bit chilly and it's like there's a f- tornado outside your window <laughs> it's just yeah so, but it was the shadow play it was like the, the, the lights go off they're walking with candles i mean it was it was a beautiful beautiful scene yeah well, don't forget Holden had a deal with Memorex cassettes at the time and he was actually um, just trying to get that sponsorship deal sorted. <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> well, look, I mean, I mean, um, my favourite scene, the one that was sticks out to me is the one where Holden looks down the corridor and sees the shadow coming towards him. Mm. And it's it, it, all it is is... You know, a couple of lights turning off in the distance, mm. and it's it. But it just it epitomizes this film. It's something's coming, and you won't see it. the The problem is that obviously you do see it, mm. and and <laughs> unfortunately, I'm fine with that. It's a, it works. This is kind. Of, you know, I've come to love it, but you know, I I could show this film to my horror movie loving daughter, and she would probably laugh at the at the dog monster. You have to embrace the film itself and love it to be able to get over that much, mm. that that effect. Yeah, Which, but um, it, is, it is made for a 1957 audience, though. Exactly, and yeah, yeah. They you would have, have been a completely a different... Like yeah, yeah. Mm, I totally agree. Before we move on to sort of uh, final thoughts and uh, some ratings, I, I think there is the one big question to ask of one of our four, and that is to Ben. And is that Ben? This is a film that has a. Where scene is your DVD? That has a scene. Well, where is that? <laughs> but this also Who this knows? has this has a very important scene set in a library. Granted, it's the it's the British Library, yes. and you uh, for the uh, for for the uninitiated, you are a librarian, and you have form of criticizing libraries in films before. So I would just we, we we couldn't get out of here without asking you this. So, <laughs> do you have any problems with the library scene in this film? Right, not massively, although they Ooh. do refer to it as as the British Museum rather okay. than the British Library. Yeah, um, which I'm assuming is is them citing a misnomer. I've never been to the British Library. I've been a librarian for 23 years. You know, at the top of my game. 
Um, uh, but the depiction of the librarian, he's no, he's a he's fairly accurate reference librarian for nineteen fifties. I think he does what he's done. That I, I did laugh. I must admit oh. at the prospect of of them, him requesting a four hundred year old book from the store and him going, oh, it's not there. There'd be slightly more drama. Slightly more something. drama. <laughs> If, um, if, if you know, effectively, and he does state it's the only copy of it in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that wouldn't go down well. Um, and it, obviously, Carswell's nicked it as well. Yeah, you know, because that that is what you know sort of uh, is apparent. But yeah, he'd be slightly, he'd be there'd be perspiration on that man's head. But he's he he, he goes above and beyond. And, you know, he's almost like a butler, and you know. Librarians aren't like that. We're very helpful, but also quite surly. So um, never. No, really? No, I don't believe that at all. Yeah, well, come to my library. You'll find out what's what. Um, we don't need to. Line. No, we don't need to. We know. But no, on, on a scale of of, of, of like, they had, it was genuine books that were put in front of him. I'll give him that. The books he was looking at were. You know, they weren't like whitey papered. You know, oh look, it's a book. No, it's not really. So no, on on a scale of believable library scenes, seven out of ten. Wow, I think that's the wow. highest we've ever had. Absolutely, it bloody absolutely is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the highest you're going to get. If nothing else, that is such a win for the it night really of the day. Yeah, exactly. Add a star to your rating, gents. If, if, if you ever <laughs> heard him uh, rate, uh, uh, what was it, a race with the devil, <laughs> that one. Oh my <laughs> good you god! Nearly, you nearly exploded. <laughs> I could have piled into that library. I'd have burned it to the ground. <laughs> and everyone in it. <laughs> Nazi. <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> yeah, probably cut, cut and everyone in it out of that. Uh, well, we'll cut the Nazi bit as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shall we? Shall we have some final thoughts and uh, ratings on this? Then I think. On, so, um, well, we'll we'll go in the order. Well, I tell you what, let's get the obvious one out of the way. Adam, let's uh, let's go with you first. Well, what? I love this film because I. <laughs> um, no, I I love this film so much, but I've seen it a lot, and uh, I feel that maybe after you guys have seen it for as, as long as I have, maybe your ratings will rise. I just think it's a great film, you know, and it's very untypical for its age. It's a 50s horror film where the thrills don't come from flying saucers or, uh, you know, zombies or, you know... Black Lagoon? I mean, I, I, I mean I'm so, I, I really want to say this, the thrills don't come from special effects, but unfortunately mm. they do. To a to a point, but it's a creeping horror. You know, you get you get the demon at the beginning and the end. The rest of it is pure Val Luton, and uh, I admire Jacques Tourneur for bringing Val Luton into the world of the modern. I admire him as well for bringing Mr. James into the world of the modern as well. You know, Mr. James was nineteenth century author, and he brought him right up to date. So I love it. I think it's a a great film and I think there's so much depth there and I love the Brian Wilde stuff I love the shadows he uses I think it's a great folk horror film that um, is rightly recognised as one of the great early horror films of, of, of Britain 
and I love it so much. So obviously it's a 10 from me. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's let's go to Kev. Let, we'll go in order in uh, how many times people have seen this. So, uh, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> should have been Kev first. He was there Smokey's at the premiere. The last. <laughs> I was helping. That was the tea boy. <laughs> you were Kev the was, demon, Kev. Kev was the demon, yeah. Still am. Kev was kicking down the lampposts. <laughs> Final thoughts for me are, why did they call it Curse of the Demon in the States? Because there is actually a title drop in this film and they're hypnotising Rand. They actually say, we'll take you back to the Night of the Demon. It just seems like such an odd choice, Weird. but that's the American sphere. And I'd love to hypnotise people on the train so they shut up. <laughs> that is just the perfect <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> I mean, why they don't introduce this as, like, Hypnotism 101 class, I don't know. But there you go. And then, <laughs> going back to Adam on about Luton, but there are loads of Luton buses in this film. Uh, it actually ends with a Luton bus. Yes. And, obviously... A Luton train. <laughs> <and we've> got, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we've got a cat attack, yeah. which is a direct reference to cat people. <laughs> Just in case you didn't notice, would you um, would you class the um, the child appearing behind the tree as one as well? Yes, oh, absolutely, yes, yeah. definitely, yeah, yeah. Mm. And um, I just looked, I checked my letterbox earlier today, and I thought, I wonder what the last thing I said was. And it says every time I revisit, I discover something new. For me, this is Turner's finest work, or Turner's. I like to call him Jack Turner. Um, it's finest work and an absolute folk horror banger. And uh, out of 10? Uh, I'm sorry, but it's going to have to be an 11. <laughs> full, oh, full spinal tap on you. <laughs> I love you, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> You've you offset you? Smokey and Ben's score. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> ben? Oh, me, right, yeah. Um, yeah, you're the only one called Ben. <laughs> Sorry, yes. He's in the trees. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's not coming again. No. <laughs> He's forging a new life. Um, it, yeah, I'd, I think my favourite scene that we haven't talked about, or if we're talking about things that uh, we haven't talked about, sure. is um, when... Uh, I've, hang on, I've got some notes here. Oh, yeah, it's when um, uh, our hero, John Holden, is on the... Um, Aeroplane, and oh, yes. uh, he ha he has a persistent young woman behind him who's working with a light on, mm -hmm. and he has his newspaper over his face. And they keep sliding off. And uh, one thing I've discovered uh, over the years is that if you need to nap in in daylight hours, yeah. the best thing you can use, and then listen to write this down to take a pencil. Um, is, a, is a pair of underpants. I'm telling you, it's tremendous. They, no, honestly, yeah, clean, clean pants. That's, that's, and not that's at all. Of course, you're not an good. animal. But let me just no, quickly you, say, the dirtier the pant, the better the filtration, surely. It depends on, it depends, it depends, it depends on the colour. But what I'm saying is, you, 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 you pull them right over and they fit. I'm telling you, it's uh, anyway... He doesn't Surely do you that. go for traditional brown <laughs> with yellow piping. <laughs> it's a metal Glenn image, Kev, I didn't need. 
Uh, but yes, I enjoyed this very much, and um, uh, it was nice to revisit it. And it, you know, this is one of the occasions we've we've done this on Rated Age before. I know Adam said it, and others have said it, where discussing it with you guys has actually upped my rating by one point. Um, I was going to give this an eight, but I'm going to give it a nine because I think, despite my misgivings about the demon and the special effects, if you want to call them that, which I don't like doing, <laughs> they've come from the 1957. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really like this film. Mm. I really like it, and there's an awful lot to appreciate it. And um, and yeah, I, I I it 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 deserves its its place right up there. So I give it a nine. I can't give it a ten because otherwise I feel like I was being a bit sort of uh, hypocritical about mm. what it said. But um, but a nine, you know, it's in the bracket in it. Yeah. So I think when you say when you say special effects, you say special. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I, this has to, especially when it comes to horror. I think this uh, this is where Ben and I, uh, our mind, where the hive mind comes in. is is It's exactly the same. Uh, I watched it um, the other week, and it, I gave it an eight, and then I watched it again today, and I gave it a nine. <laughs> There's so much to like about this film. It's so good. It's so enjoyable. The dark bits are wonderfully, and and there are a couple of brilliantly brutal bits in this film which kind of take your breath away a little bit you know we're i'm being picky in the the downsides of it and uh, yeah dana andrews didn't quite do it for me he really didn't and it was fine but it was just like but um no it's it's a great film and it really does again echoing all of your sentiments it really does deserve its place near the top of the tree of folk horror I would much rather watch this again than uh, Blood on Satan's Claw. I don't know about you guys, but um, that's mm, it, I would much, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. It's so, a yeah. very enjoyable film, as you say. It really mm. is, and um, the sorry, as we said earlier, the ninety-three minute version or ninety-four minute version, whatever 96. it was. <laughs> hell, Kev. Um, either Kev's way, right? It's ninety-six. Oh, <laughs> of course, I am. <laughs> Either way, um, ninety-five minutes and forty-seven seconds. I'm going to kill you. That's all. the American cut. I'm going to kill you. All. Does that make um, it ninety-six or ninety-five? It's a nine. It it's a nine. Down. Shut it, up, all of you. Yeah, right. It's a nine. <laughs> hey, it's a nine from Smokey. It's, it is but, a nine. It's, but is it's that, a wonderful film. Is that a nine point four seven? No, no, no. <laughs> no. Don't try and hoodwink me. Cool. Uh, so that's yeah. so that's thirty nine out of forty. Then that's amazing. That's some Kev gave it eleven. Maths. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fact. Oh, well, <laughs> all right, all right. Before we get out of here, we have two more things left to do. One is for Adam to tell me what we're viewing next on all the best lines. Um, I gave you the uh, we, we've done comedy in the last episode. <laughs> this one we've done horror, and I gave you a drama. Uh, okay. You, did you pick one? I did right now, uh, and it was. <laughs> do you know what I watched last night, which I thought was really fun, okay. and I thought you might really love. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a drama with a lot of action and sword fighting in it. Ooh. So it's Captain Blood from 1935 with Errol Flynn, Basil Rathbone, Lionel Atwell, Olivia right. Havilland. and I, I kind of th- thought, you know, it kind of fits the drama thing because there is a love story. I think, behind all the cannons and boats and um, swinging around and 
sword fighting. So, Sweet. Yeah. I, Captain I have, Blood from 1935. I, I have actually seen that before. I do remember enjoying it, but I can't remember very much about it. But um, I, I am looking forward to doing that uh, on all the best lines on there. Well, did he work his way through the ranks as Private Blood first? That's what I want Lieutenant Blood. Uh, it was Ensign Blood. Um, but basically, all you need to do is get yourself a flagon of rum mm-hmm. and um, say, my heart is a lot. You'll okay. love it. It's fantacular. Sweet. Yeah. Captain Blood, 1935. That was my drama pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, we'll take that as drama. That's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. But before we go, uh, I would just like to throw a surprise on all of you, is that the last time we did this, we did a quiz, and I have come up with one again. Oh, good God. So Get in! I thought we would have a little bit of fun. Uh, we've never done a quiz on all the best lines before. So I think. All the um, best quizzes. All the best Kevin, quizzes. You, well, no, Kevin, no, no, you no. up for this? Uh, ben, are you up for this? <laughs> what was Ben thinking? Great, I'm going to bed in 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> the face says it all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're going to do a quiz. So, uh, well, on, my, my, my quiz on the Blood and Satan's Claw episode was what? Was the best that we've ever done. This was just. This is just a half-assed attempt. So. Oh, okay. Fair enough. That's what that. That's the uh, affirmation <laughs> I want to hear. That's so, all right. Yeah, that's the correct. I can, I can lose now with dignity. You can. So, gentlemen, uh, do you have apparatus for writing and uh, recording your answers? Uh huh. <laughs> Am I right to start using my back scratcher again? <laughs> it depends what you're going to use it for, my friends. Where have I put that massive pencil? <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> I found yeah. it. I thought we'd have a little bit of a surprise and a little bit of a quiz to have a l- yeah. end okay. this episode with a little bit of fun. Just to point out, Ben's been to the pencil <laughs> museum and he's got I a 36-foot pencil. <laughs> I love that you said, let's end this episode with some fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for How many questions? Uh, ten. I need to put the numbers down. I don't know whether my battery will last that long. <laughs> What, your battery or <laughs> no, the, pa- <laughs> the pacemaker? No, before goes, I have to plug in again. <laughs> Kevin's got Kevin form thing. on that, so yeah. the, the Kevin cell. <laughs> yeah, it's we, not quite Duracell, is it? We we will release the video one day of Kev just passing out. Okay. Yeah, that's the one. This isn't questions about the film, is it? No, it's not. Thank God for that. I won't get them right. <laughs> I was asleep. <laughs> A nine, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, the quiz for you gentlemen today is all based around devils or demons in pop culture. So, right. it, it, uh, so pretty much every answer, uh, or every question in fact, uh, has something to do with a devil or demon. But it's all... The Burby Cliff Richard question. Uh, no, there isn't actually. I, I left alone devil right. woman. Sorry. Loser. Sorry. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> cross, if it cross all ten, ten answers out, Kev... <laughs> Yeah, he's not safe. I'm done. <laughs> I'm slamming the door. Is it MC Hammer? No, it's really not. No. So yeah, so they all have some of these are really difficult. I'm sorry, but some of them are, are quite easy. So, uh, but we will go through. There's ten questions. So write them down, and we'll go round the uh, the table when we get to the end. Okay. okay. Question number one, gentlemen, in the demonic demon devil quiz. Question number one is, which Australian pop rock 
band released Devil Inside in 1987. Australian? Mm-hmm. Devil Inside, 1987. Yep. Oh, Kev. Mm-hmm. You and your Australian music knowledge. <laughs> Especially pop rock. Yeah. <coughs> Question number two. Michael Jackson released this demonic song in 1988. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I always wanted to hear Kev do that. Smokey's falsetto. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question number three. Mercedes McCambridge voiced a demon in which 1973 <laughs> horror film? Right, I've had to rewrite this question because I thought the original writing was too harsh and no one would get it. So <laughs> it was in runes. Well, you can't read your own writing. <laughs> no, no, it was just too difficult. So I've added. That's in runes. I've, right, you will understand which word I added to make it easier for you all when you hear the well, question. Okay. <laughs> Is it the answer? <laughs> Shush. Right. <laughs> which. Well, and do you know what? I'm going to give you the original question now because of that. What's right. the word which? I've said nothing. Can you send me the additional answer? <laughs> which American metal band released Devil in Eye in 2014? I'm on my phone. <laughs> metal. What's metal? <laughs> I, will, What's I will then put the revised question to you all, which is which masked... American band. Thank you. Released Devil in Eye in 2014. Thank you. See, I told you, one word. <coughs> okay. Question number five. Bagul is the demon in which 2012 horror film. Sorry, can you just repeat that? Bagul is the demon in which 2012 horror film. Sounds really familiar. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned it tonight at some point. God damn, that makes it even worse. Maybe. I can't remember, actually, to be honest. Okay. This one is just for me, but good luck to you all. Oh, f*** <laughs> you. It's an Iron Maiden. <laughs> yes, it is. So, hey! I'm all right. So, which Iron Maiden album famously depicts the Iron Maiden mascot of Eddie being a puppet master to the devil on the front cover? Is that the one you bought me? Nope. Thank you. So it's not that one. <laughs> nope. Was it Hopes and Fears? That's the one. By Keen. Okay. Question number seven. Somewhere in time. Yeah. Right. So uh, there are multiple answers to this question, and I will accept any of them that are correct, okay? so But all will become clear in just a second. Okay. Valak. Valak. V-A-L-E-K is a demon that has been a presence in several modern horror films. If you can tell me the origin film, that's great, but if you can tell me any of those films, that also will be accepted as a correct answer. Oh, I... Question number eight. David Harbour played the most recent incarnation of which cinematic demon? Yeah, David. Question number nine. Which singer sang the song... Demons for Fatboy Slim in the year 2000. Ooh! <laughs> wow! <laughs> Did not think that would ever appear in a quiz. <laughs> it's a great song, actually. I'll listen to it again today. I really like that. Cracky. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, question number 10. 
Charlie Daniels famously sang about a battle <laughs> with the devil. What was his weapon of choice? Sorry, Smoke, can you repeat that? I just sure. lost you for a moment. That's all right. Charlie Daniels famously sang about a battle with the devil. What was his weapon of choice? It's from a song from 1979, if that helps. Ooh. Oh. Oh, I think I that. Okay. Um, can I have some repeated, please? Yeah, what would you need, then? Uh, question two, question five, and question six. Okay, question two. Michael Jackson released this demonic song in 1988. Uh, question number five. Bagul is the demon in which 2012 horror film? And then was it question six? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, which Iron Maiden album features Iron Maiden's mascot Eddie being the puppet master of the devil? Oh, you, yeah. oh, oh no, he's f***ed off. Okay. He <laughs> <laughs> could be asked. I have all these somewhere, don't I? He's off to Google it. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> what I in the, the f***? <laughs> I, have the, I have the badges somewhere, don't I? Uh, you, you do. Uh, uh, are they to hand? I had made and released a, a, a set of bottle tops on their beer, uh, and, and Ben collected them yeah, all. Of course. So. Right, hang on. What, it's called the Ghoul. What? They all look like <laughs> devils, you knobhead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for not helping you cheat, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> When did you say it? What's the year? Uh, I didn't actually. Repeat the question. <laughs> Which Iron Maiden album famously has Eddie being the puppet master to the devil? Sure, on these <laughs> <laughs> no one's been a puppet master to no. What's going on? <laughs> no quiz has ever been stopped by checking bottle tops. <laughs> there's no, there's no one being a bottle top. Maybe I'm just. Oh, hang on. Oh, so Ben, Ben, you have to come back to the mic. I will in a minute. <laughs> I'm still. How many albums do they have? Uh, About thirty-two. It, it's a lot. <laughs> If it helps, it was their third album. <laughs> so, what, what, is he literally, like, stringing up? Like, is he literally hanging his hand above her? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Kev's got it. <laughs> I have actually got it. <laughs> right, I've, I've got a guess. I've got a guess. Yes, Fine. you do. <laughs> Best end to a quiz ever. <laughs> yeah. What number was that? Six. Yes. Ben what? just shouted for me. I know. Right. I have not googled anything. I'd okay. like to add right, to the record. Right. But we know. I've consulted <laughs> hard media. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone? I've not worked out. Anyone else? Anything else? Repeat. No. <laughs> All right. We'll go around the board. Adam, which Australian uh, pop? Rock band uh, released Devil Inside in 1987. I've said Crowded House because I can't think of any others. Unfortunately, not uh, Kev. In excess. It was in excess. Ben, did you get that? I put. 
I did. Oh, look at you. I only know one Australian band, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> what about Kylie and Danny Minogue? Men at Work. Oh, okay. Uh, Kev, uh, Michael Jackson released this demonic song in 1988. I can only think of Dirty Diana from that it's, particular period, so I don't know. It's not. Ben? I put Thriller. It's I'll not. Thriller. Adam? I put Thriller. Speed Demon? No! <laughs> Not even a real song. You're right, it, it was sh- hard. I told you. <laughs> Demon. It was in the tail, but there you go. Yeah. All right, all right, calm down. song. Uh, <laughs> ben, uh, Mercedes McCambridge uh, voiced the Demon in which 1973 uh, horror film? I put The Exorcist. It was The Exorcist. Uh-huh. Uh, back to Adam. Which, no, oh, I gave you this away, but which mask? Gua. <laughs> <laughs> Are you joking? Wow. Are you joking? Yes, he is. Uh, no? No, I'm not joking, no. Is oh, okay, wrong? Kev? Slipknot? Yes, it's Slipknot. All right. That's They're all I the same. Well. I, wanted well, to put- hear, I wanted to hear Adam say Slipknot, but Adam, <laughs> Adam saying Gua has just made my night. I mean, me <laughs> too. I, d- I didn't even know Adam knew who Gua was. I've, I've seen I'm- them live. They're brilliant. Uh, me too. They're all yeah. awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So can we give me a point? Nope. Nope. No. Nope. Nope. Right. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> there was a resounding no from everyone. Okay. Um, Kev, uh, Bagul is the demon in which uh, 2012 horror film? I think you've done this and I think it's sinister. It is sinister. Right. Oh, I, did, I did not do that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ben. <laughs> mm. What was the Iron Maiden album? Uh, Parachutes. The it was the number of the Yay! beast. Yes! <laughs> My bottle top collection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that couldn't have worked out any better. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Okay, uh, Adam. Balak is the demon that has been a presence in uh, several modern day horror films. Where are you going with? The Conjuring. Yes. Something. Absolutely. Yes. Is the Conjuring. Thank you. Or the Conjuring universe, whichever you wish to put. The Conjuring 2, Annabelle, the nun. Conjuring. The referee, I don't think that Valak was in The Conjuring. Uh, Which is why I went, The Conjuring. Conjuring It's somewhere in The the Conjuring. the first one as well. So, yeah. Sorry. Well, what what did you put there? Yeah. The Conjuring 2. Oh, but but I said that's a point. (laughs) I know, I just thought, I I didn't think that uh, Valak had been in the first one. Uh, I put Doctor Who. Did you put Kevin? Doctor Who? I, I figured, you know, you got this spirit going around going, exterminate. It's fine. No, no. Ben, you got a point. <laughs> Just take it, will you? I know, it's fine. Yeah. I'm taking it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, back to Adam. So, Thank you. Eight. Hellboy. Hey. Don't even have to read it out. It is Hellboy. <laughs> it's the only one I absolutely knew. I know the next one as well. Okay. Um, Kev, which singer sang the song Demons for Fatboy Slim in the year 2000? I'll wait for you to finish. <laughs> Unlike Adam, Macy Gray. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It was I Macy Gray. I don't ever let anyone finish. Uh, <laughs> that's, my, that's, my... that's just envy. <laughs> that's, my, that's my MVP. <laughs> How many have I got right? One. And then Ben. About three. Um, two. Charles Daniels uh, famously sung about uh, a battle with the devil. What was his weapon of choice? 
I've had to guess this, so I've just said gun. A gun? No, unfortunately not. I will go, uh, Adam? I didn't know, but I've put fiddle. It is the fiddle. Yeah. It is the song Yay! The Devil Went Down to Georgia from 1979. So, can I have your scores, please, gentlemen? I got five. Adam got five? I got eight. Kev got eight. Ben? Kev wins. I got, I got seven. Seven. Oh, that's close. Kev wins again. <laughs> Curses. <laughs> Well, when done. you've been alive for 350 years, you, know, you, you acquire some knowledge. Yeah, no, but you forget yeah. a lot more. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. glad we could uh, do a little quiz there at the end. I thought it was, uh, it was only right that we should. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, Thank you. from from Adam and myself, and to uh, to both you, uh, Ben and Kev, for joining us on all the best lines. We really do appreciate it. No, it's lovely to be asked, and yeah. I'd love to be back again. At some point in the future. Cool. Come on every episode from now on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's your invitation. Cheers. Fair That's enough. the dictionary uh, definition of nonplussed right there. <laughs> <laughs> ben realises he's f***ed up. <laughs> Again. It's bad enough for his stuck wheels chumps. <laughs> All right, Adam, take us out of here. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure to spend oh. the evening with you fellas <laughs> and right talk about a, a, a wonderful film with you guys and um, yeah. hopefully see you very soon and love you all. Yeah. Love you both. Oh, and all, all the best compadres. Aww, so, yes. Let's do some lines. <laughs> <laughs> I clearly don't hold this in quite as high esteem as Adam does. Well, no, because you but don't now, know where it is. <laughs> it's downstairs somewhere. But, um, but, it's, but in it's in the trees. It's in the trees. <laughs> it's on fire. Oh, no. Um, it's coming. But, don't worry. Uh, it, 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 well, it wasn't last night. Um, but it's, um, Oh, poor Liz. <laughs> <laughs>